Hey guys, it's Mom Taraj, the podcast about being a mom that thinks that most mom stuff is super boring. So we created our own posse. I'm Ashley. And I'm Carrie. And we are ready to walk you down the red carpet of motherhood. Hey everybody. Hey guys. Oh boy, do we have a show for you today. Man, this is this is going to be a two-parter. Yeah. So basically, we want to focus on all of the options for this coming school year. So we're going to talk to a few different people in the next two episodes. We're basically trying to trouble, because Ashley and I, I don't know if you know this, we suffer from anxiety. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> has and, that been clear? And a anal retentive planning person who has anxiety, what do we like to do? We like to plan for all possible outcomes, mm. even if none of them happen, because we like to feel like we have a sense of control. Yep. So we've got some really fun, great guests for you. So you guys are going to hear from four different perspectives um, about the upcoming school year. In part one today, we're going to be talking to Sarah Murdoch, who is the influencer behind North Country Littles, and Dr. Beth Kantrowitz, who, along with being a science-based doctor, never underestimate science, she's actually a momtourage listener. Yep, and she's one of my yoga students. Ah, it just keeps going. Guys, we're big deals. We're huge deals. <laughs> yep, we, you know, that's us. And then for part two, which will be coming out next week, we're going to have Jessica Lisboa, who's also an influencer and a educator. She is this season's gold. And you want to give her whole name? Sure, Valerie Chandler Miscoris, my other best friend and also mother of four, that's right, four kids, big old set of them are Because five is too many. Yes. She is a mother of some special needs kids and is working to navigate trying to learn how to homeschool them and or get them into a school system. So, you know, all that. There's a lot to go over. So I think, how do you feel about uh, jumping into it? Let's just get right down. Here we go, guys. Oh, and as always, we have hashtag swag bag. But up next is the the tits and the shits. Ooh, I'm going to start with my shits because I think my shits also is my tits. It's very confusing. (laughs) So my daughter is really like in the twos. Like she is in it. She's not quite two, but she is in it. She is ahead of it. It always happens before two, I think. Yeah, she is tall. She is, I don't know where that came from, but she is tall and she is getting into things. And it's like delightful and horrifying all at the same time. Which is parenthood in general, delightful and horrifying. Yeah. So we were playing, having like a nice playing moment um, in the morning. We were having a good time playing with her cups, like her little sippy cups. And I turned my back to empty the dishwasher. I was literally next to her, like next to her. I just turned away from her, went to go unload the dishwasher. And she pulled down probably, I want to say 12 stacked Jesus inside Christ. each other, like vintage glass mixing bowls. Oy, oy, oy. And glass shattered everywhere. I was actually not sure if it hit her. I assumed it did. I kept saying, are you hurt? Are you hurt? Are you hurt? She had a cry. Like, you know, when you just know your kids cries, it wasn't quite a I'm hurt cry. She's had those before. Mm -hmm. This was like a terror cry. It was totally different. She would not stop. She obviously was just so scared. I kept trying to like figure out if she was hurt. By some, this is where it kind of swerves into the tits. By some grace, I swear it's my dead grandmother. (laughs) She 
did not get hurt. She did not get any glass on her. There was glass everywhere else. She did not have a bump, a cut. Like those are heavy bulls. Like I've dropped them on my feet and cursed terribly. She was unscathed. She was, however, incredibly traumatized. Yeah. She truly cried for almost two hours, kept reliving it. Like every time she passed by the kitchen, she would like work herself back up again. She's really an actress. She called my I'm mom. Sorry to lived it. I'm so sorry to laugh. She's still reliving the skin knee that she had two months ago. Uh, Sebastian's still reliving a thunderstorm from three months ago, okay? <laughs> Honestly, he like will wake up in the middle of the night and feel the need to tell us the story about the thunderstorm that happened so long ago. So I totally understand. I'm like, this is drama queen. I wonder where she gets it. Yeah. <clears throat> God anyway. only knows. So my tits is also my shits and my shits is my tits, which is that that was real scary. And we've been pretty lackadaisical Difus, don't come after me or all the other organizations that might take away your children. We've been a little bit lackadaisical about um, childproofing. One, because we're moving and we don't own this place and we didn't think she could get into certain things. Well, we know she can. And I'm pretty sure she can even undo the childproofing. So I'm not really <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> we definitely need a kitchen that is bigger, that we put things higher up and all. Anyway, you'll get there, yeah. you know? The tits are that she was unscathed, that I'm pretty sure my grandmother's using up like all her like heaven juice or whatever you want to call it. Heaven juice, a new cologne from Mom <laughs> So that's really it. I mean, it was one of those moments that kind of takes your breath away as a parent. Yeah. Side note, my brother had this happen. Um, I just told my sister about it. She didn't even remember it happened. So when my brother was little, he was like running through the aisles of Home Depot with my dad. Right. I don't think my dad was running, but he was running. I think he was like four or five. And I guess something got jostled and from a high up cabinet or like shelf in Home Depot, an entire entertainment unit fell from like Jesus. high down. And my dad was like, Mike! And Mike crunched down instinctively and fell exactly where the TV hole was. Wow. That's like a cartoon. He straight up would have died. Like everyone in Home Depot was like, <gasps> like expecting to see like the worst thing you can imagine. And it just happened to fall where my brother was in the hole. Wow. My dad was like, that took literally like 20 years off my life. Well, that's sort of how I felt less dramatic. That was definitely more dramatic. These were just, but these are really heavy bowls. These are like those big old fashioned ones. I mean, honestly, I would be very scared. So thank God that she's okay. Thank you, Bubba. And to Bubba being the force field around her. Like almost like like, she had an invisible bubble. I seriously was like, what? (laughs) Anyway, that's my tits and shits. Cool. How about you? Uh, you want the good news or the bad news first? Let's start with all the bad. Okay. My shits are, I've told you guys about my grandmother being in hospice care. Um, she finally passed last week. You know, it's just, uh, it feels weird. I don't even know what I'm feeling. And that's really been the hardest part. You know, I've never really experienced somebody being sick for so long. I mean, she had dementia for so long. I'm not going to go into it because this is such a downer, but I just feel weird. And I keep wanting to put words to what I'm feeling for other people, for myself. And honestly, I just don't, I don't have anything other than I'm, I'm sad. I knew it was coming. I've mourned the loss of her for quite some time now. So now it just kind of, I miss her and it's sad. And um, it's weird. But I'm happy that she is kind of free. You know what I mean? So that's my shits. (laughs) She didn't want to be in her body like that so <sighs> she fought it I mean she was there for quite some times you know it's just weird it's just weird that she helped raise me so it, it's just crazy but it is what it is and again you know I'm not crying right now 
And I don't know. That's all I got. See, usually I can be a little more articulate and I can't even do that here. So let's move on to my so tits, you know, shall we? So you know it's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my tits for this week are Sebastian is finally in his big boy bed. Get it, Sebastian. Yeah. I mean, and by big boy bed, it's just like the crib with the toddler rail on it yep. um, that he can get in and out of as quickly as he would like. So it's pretty exciting. He's really into it. I like, tried to make it really nice for him. I have a very, I have this memory that keeps coming back to me. Uh, There was a summer after we moved from Miami to New Jersey and my parents sent me to Miami for the summer. And I was with my grandma, both my grandmas during that summer. And I was very homesick. I missed my parents very much. And when I came home, my mom had basically like redone my bedroom. She had gone to Ikea and this was like, I don't know, 1995? Nine, no. Did you get a trundle bed? No, I had a loft bed, which I had already had, which was like a loft. The bed was on the top, desk on the bottom. But she had like gotten me an inflatable chair because remember that was all the rage. She got me like these be- like really cute sheets. It was just like such a good, girly, fun room. And I just remember it made me feel so special coming home. This room that she had put so much care into to make me feel good. So um, that memory has been coming back to me a lot lately. And I think for multiple reasons, but one of them is, you know, kind of repurposing his room a little bit and trying to make it feel really special for him. And I want him to feel as good as I did that day. And I think he does, you know, job well done me. What a good mama. Yeah, I'm really happy about it. Well, there you have it. Our tits and our shits. And up next, we're going to be talking to North Country Littles, a.k.a. Sarah Murdoch, about homeschool life and what you need to know. For a second, I thought North Country Littles was going to be about food, and I got really excited. <laughs> <laughs> like like dumplings. Like biscuits or something. I was like, mm, biscuits. Biscuits. Our next guest is the influencer you know as North Country Littles. She's a mom to soon-to-be five kids and a pre-COVID homeschooling OG. Welcome, Sarah. Sarah Murdoch. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hey, how are you? Pretty good. I love your y'all. It's funny. I uh, I grew up in Texas, and so y'all is just like a part of speech. And when we lived in Alaska, everyone thought it was so funny that we said y'all, and now we live in the South again, and no one comments on it anymore. <laughs> my best friend is Southern, so I there's a soft spot in my heart for the y'all. <laughs> Sarah, tell us about yourself, your kids, how old they are. Just tell us all about you. Well, I am a mom of four. I'm actually pregnant with our fifth. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. We're pretty excited. We recently moved from Alaska, which I mean, I guess isn't like super recent anymore. We've been in the South for like a year and a half now. But we had like all of our kids, all of our adult life in Alaska, which was really cool. <laughs> what brought you to Alaska, if you don't mind me interrupting? Just my husband's job. <laughs> he just got, it. He got an opportunity up there and we decided that would be kind of cool. <laughs> so, <sighs> but yeah, my oldest is eight. And so my kids are eight, seven, five, and my youngest just turned three. Wow, what a spread. And then a one in the oven. Yep, yep. We've got three girls and then a little boy. So we'll see. See what this one is. <laughs> well, congratulations. Wow. So how long have you been homeschooling? And, you know, why did you choose that option as the best one for your family? So our homeschool journey started kind of different than most people. We started homeschooling about three years ago because my oldest, she is highly intelligent and 
So when she was in kindergarten, she was in a charter school that bumped grades. So she basically started her education with first grade and she completed all of the first grade curriculum by April. And so she just had nothing to do. She just kind of did busy work for the rest of the school year and it just was not a good situation. She started getting in trouble because she was bored and just stuff like that. So we ended up pulling her so that we could do school at her pace. And I mean, I also, the stereotypical, like wanted more time with my kids. Mm. Very true too, because like I had just had my fourth and I was, she was gone like all day, every day. And it was just kind of hard for my mama heart to let her go, you know? And then especially if it wasn't like a great situation anyway. Yeah. So we did that for mainly like freedom for ourselves and freedom for her education. And it's been great. Like we just kind of follow her lead. All of my children are kind of all over the place when it comes to like what grade they're in. I have to laugh because you hear sometimes homeschool kids like don't know what grade they are. And I thought that was so silly. I'm like, who doesn't know what grade they would be, you know? And then the other day we were at a store and someone asked my daughter what grade she was. And she was like, I don't know. And then she asked me, yeah. I was like, wait, I don't even know. <laughs> it felt so bad. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of how we got started. And especially because we lived in Alaska. I wanted the freedom to like go hiking whenever we wanted to go hiking. Like I remember we would do um, school up in the mountains. We would just drive into the mountains and, and for language arts, they would like write about what they saw and they would paint pictures of the mountains and which I just really wanted them to have that like real rooted in nature life and education. That's amazing. I was going to say, and you know, now so many people are talking about homeschooling that you were ahead of the game. I know. I know. I feel it's funny. So this morning, actually, I was talking to one of my um, homeschool friends and we were talking about how like everyone is homeschooling right now, almost whether you're like actually homeschool homeschooling or you're doing public school at home and how it's sometimes almost giving homeschool a bad rap. Right now you're homeschooling, but you're homeschooling in a world where social Socialization is hard because so much is shut down that it's almost like we're being transported back in time to when it was like the stereotypical, like weird homeschoolers, you know? <laughs> See, I actually, as an outsider who knows absolutely nothing about homeschooling, but will be homeschooling my, you know, whatever that means for a three-year-old, I feel like it's the complete opposite where I never knew anything about it and was always like, oh, homeschooling seems like kind of strange. Yeah. And now, it's like oh no it's not yeah. it's literally kind of the same thing you know obviously I felt forced into this scenario to really make that realization yeah. but like it's like kind of opened my eyes to what homeschooling is yeah. and, and normalized it I think yeah I agree with that I think it's cool that it is kind of showing this opportunity to a lot of people. I remember at the start of all of this, like the schools, which I don't really follow the public schools very well, but I think the public schools had like just shut down or something. And I was at a grocery store and the guy who was ringing us up was saying how like, oh, isn't school so crazy right now? And I'm like, well, we homeschool, you know? And he was like, oh, what a blessing. I was like taken back. I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> I have never had someone like have a positive reaction when I 
I say we homeschool? I was like, uh, wait, no, I said we do homeschool. He's like, that's what I said, lady. <laughs> I know. So it's been really cool to see it kind of, I don't know, like it's this whole world that's being opened up for families, which is kind of cool. I hope people enjoy it. So for those of us who are like totally new to homeschooling, can you give us homeschooling for dummies, like the complete rundown, what we need to know, the ABCs of homeschooling? Oh, man. So that's something else that's also really hard because it's like it's like giving parenting advice, you know, like no family is the same. No kid is the same. So I can give you what we do. (laughs) Your kids are learning every day, no matter what. And you're not trying to replicate school. You know, it's going to be okay if what you're doing looks different than someone else. It's funny. I was actually a little nervous this past year because I was taking a little more liberty with our field trips and stuff like that. So I was a little nervous that my kids maybe would be behind when it came to end of year testing. And then they all tested well above grade level. So it was kind of like that reminder that like kids learn all the time. Like they learn even if you're not doing a super structured lesson. And then for me, another thing that has been a huge help is to totally follow their lead. My one daughter absolutely loves loves insects. And so we do science outside with the insects, you know, and one of my kids really loves baking, really go for it with the baking. And she, um, I kind of give her that freedom to, to read the recipes herself, to do the conversions for all the different measurements and, and all that stuff. And then another big thing I learned was that if I was ever forcing something on my kids, like it wasn't going to go well. You know? They could tell, yeah. Yeah, because I remember like that first year, I was like, no, we have to do it this way. We have to all like sit at the table together. We have to get it done at this time. And we have to be really scheduled and really structured because that's what everyone says you have to do. I'm just trying to visualize it. How do you manage teaching kids of different ages all at the same time? So how we do it, this is the one thing that I do feel like everybody should try. (laughs) Because so I teach three kids and then I have a toddler. So I have one that does a mix of third and fourth grade. I have one that does a mix of first and second grade. And then I have one that's in kindergarten. That's like between three kids. (laughs) So, Mm. So what we do in the morning or whenever it is that we start school, we pick the four like core subjects for us are language arts, math, handwriting, and then reading. And we cycle through those. So I'll have one of my kids do math, which is a little more hands-off unless it's a new concept. And then I have another kid do language arts because that is more hands-on for us. And then I have a kid doing handwriting because that's totally hands-off. Like they're just sitting there doing handwriting. And that give most of my time and my energy to the kid that's doing the more um, hands-on subject. And then typically whenever the kid is done with math, we go over it and check their work and all that stuff. And then they rotate. If it gets to a point where I have 
two kids that are needing more of my attention, we pull in independent reading. So if I have my oldest is doing language arts and then my middle daughter is doing math, but she needs more help with math, I'll have her pause and I'll have her go do independent reading. Typically go read to my my now three-year-old because it keeps him entertained and her like busy (laughs) and they think it's cool to read to siblings, you know? That's like an A-plus homeschool pro tip, I think. Can I ask you, so my sister-in-law was telling me that like, you know, one of the strategies in homeschooling multiple children of different ages is like everyone's learning about U.S. geography, right? And like the oldest kid is learning about, I don't know, something more complex. The youngest kid is just learning the states and the middle kid is like learning like uh, like capitals or something. Is that kind of true also? Yes. So after we get those like main four subjects done, we'll have like lunch. And what I typically do is when I am preparing lunch, I'll have the kids either go run around outside or they'll watch like a documentary or something on what we're going to be studying for either like history or science. And then it's, yeah, it's just like that. So we all do science together. We do history together. And it's the same, like my youngest school age kid is five. So she'll just be kind of there listening, you know, and and coloring or whatever. And then my middle daughter, she will have a little more work to do. And then my oldest daughter will have her like write out after we study something, she will have a journal and she goes and she has to write a page or whatever about what we studied or something like that, you know, where we're all doing the same thing, but they have a little bit different expectations and, and intensity that they're learning. That's great. That's incredible. Side note, I'm a little bit triggered. Just follow me because I had this one uncle when I used to go visit my cousins, he used to make, they went to regular school, but then on the weekends when we would come visit, he would make us watch PBS and then write book reports about it. And I was like, I already go to school and write book reports. I'm not writing book reports on the weekends. He's like, you have to write a book report if you're going to stay here. And I'm like, no. Listen, I've said this on the show a zillion times. My mom was the queen of giving me like homework over the summer. She would buy workbooks. She would buy like, uh, you know, on top of all the summer reading I had to do for school. She was crazy. And you know what? I hated it and I'm probably going to do it with Sebastian, and then you made her but, proud by going to acting school, Ashley. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, you can't win them all. Here's our, my other concern. And this is um, full disclosure. I only have one child. He's going to be three. Matt, my husband, told me a really sad story last night. And he said, I'm really worried about Sebastian's socialization. And I said, why? And he said, well, I, I was telling him about his friends. And he goes, oh, who are my friends? And I said, uh, well, and he goes, you mean... Pops and meow and started naming like old people, you know, like his grandparents yeah. and like us. <laughs> so socialization is a bit of a concern for us. Yeah. Do you have any tips for helping kids socialize outside of like their family in the midst of maybe all of this pandemic situation that's going on? Yeah. So, um, and it is trickier right now because of COVID and everything, but something I absolutely love about homeschool kids is they have friends of all ages. Like we 
Um, we get together on Fridays with a bunch of homeschool families and there will be 13 year olds playing with two year olds and there's 10 year olds playing with 15 year olds. You know, it's like everyone is just mixed in like eight year olds aren't playing with only other eight year olds. Quite honestly, if you asked my three year old who his best friends are, he would list out a bunch of adults as well. I think there's beauty in that because it's raising these children that don't care about age. They don't see an older kid and think, oh, I can't be your friend because you're older. They don't see a younger kid and think we can't play because you're a baby. Hmm. They're able to socialize with adults. Like they already have the skill of being able to interact with older people which is a skill that not many kids have. Ashley, I mostly hung out with older people and look how great I turned out. So, I'm, <laughs> Carrie, that is not a selling point for me, hey. friend. <laughs> <laughs> but me too. So. And now I like to date older men. So that's really what happened. So. Oh, great. In this day and age, I know so many moms are trying to stay away from screen time and all that stuff. But man, I mean, this is the generation of FaceTiming and the Zoom calls and all that stuff. We've got friends in Alaska that my girls will FaceTime with and they'll play games through FaceTime, which blows my mind. I don't even understand how that works, but they like play games with their friends in Alaska, like all virtually. And we do a ton of our socialization stuff outside. Mm. One, like fresh air is just good for everybody. I don't know. I mean, there's probably like things that you're supposed to censor and not say, but you know, quite honestly, like we have to find a sustainable way of life too. Yeah. Yeah, Because this is a long haul situation. Yeah. No, you're totally right. It's not going to change for two years. You know, we can't keep our kids inside away from other people for two years. Then we'll be like children of the corn. I know. I know. Then we really will have a generation of weird homeschoolers. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of talk right now about homeschooling pods in all this madness. Do you have an opinion or a tip or have you thought about that? Like what, what's your opinion on that? Okay. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not super hip. It's just people um, combining together to homeschool their kids together so that they kind of share the... The workload. Responsibility. Yeah, and they might even hire a teacher in some like bougie neighborhoods. They're hiring a teacher. And it also forces socialization. Yes. So it's funny. I was actually, before I even knew that was a thing, I was talking to one of my friends. She lives up in the city and they are going to do the virtual public school I was like man you should like get with some friends and and figure out how to like do all this together you know and I think it's a fantastic idea I think it's so cool and it's funny because like homeschoolers have kind of always been doing that with like co-ops and stuff you'll get together and different parents will teach different things but I think there are so many cool ways that you could do it because like I absolutely love math I love math I love science I don't love history and I'm not like a super arts and craftsy person you know so if I was to get together with another family that maybe the mom was like super crafty or that's me I'm the crafty mom yeah so you and I could get together and we'd have this awesome homeschool experience because I could be like dang we'll do fractions all day long at my house go to your house and they can get all their creative outlet you know (laughs) 
Yeah. You know, I think it's so smart. It's That's so what smart. I would like to do with my daughter because there are definitely things I enjoy doing more than others. And I've even seen just in play groups with other parents that kind of the play groups that we've been having lately since COVID have been more like structured play where like one mom helps guide all the kids and make your own taco meal or whatever, yeah. or make your own personal yeah. pizzas. And then they'll come over my house and we'll like make a fort out of construction paper. And, you know, so it really yeah. is like everybody's niche. It's so cool. We should do craft day once a week, Carrie. I think we should. Yeah. And I would love to do like outdoor science day because, you know, I'm a nerd about that stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 You can take the lead. I'll on be that. like, this is a bug. <laughs> Let me tell you about this bug. Like, I'm into all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's so cool. I, and it's funny. So there's co-ops that kind of do that as well. You have different families teaching different things and you all get together on a specific day. But I feel like there are so many opportunities to have the same benefits of that without having it be as structured. Yeah. But I also feel like there are so many families that are having to homeschool and work two jobs and together with other families that are having to work two jobs and try to figure out how to be like, okay, Tuesday, we're going to give Carrie a break. And from from 12 to five, her kids are going to be over here. We're going to do school together and she's going to be able to have five hours of actually using her brain, you know? And that's what I was trying to have Ashley do, but Ashley felt overwhelmed. But I was like, why don't you just have like a day off and I do both kids? Yeah, I told her I don't want to do it. Yeah, no, it would be so cool. It'd be so cool. Ashley, you keep sleeping on it. You let me know. We have a little while. Yeah, we have time. We have time. All right. So here's my big question for anyone that is currently on the fence. They're not loving the idea of sending their kid physically. None of the options are really appealing to them, which I think is a majority of us in this pandemic that are facing this. What is the biggest question you can advise us to kind of turn within and ask ourselves to help make that decision? Oh, man. Um, We're like Barbara Walters. We ask the hard hitting questions. Yeah, no, it's good. I think the biggest thing that people should consider, and this is something that my husband and I are always questioning, is what is our family goal? Mm. We're actually, it's funny, we're in this discussion right now because like my sister-in-law, her kids are in public school and they love the public school life. Their kids love having all the friends. They love all of that. And so this whole thing has been a lot more stressful for them. There's our family where my kids are not super extroverted, you know, like they're fine running around the backyard by themselves looking for slugs. So if your family goal and your family lifestyle is lots of people and in your end game is we're going to get back to public school after this, then I'd kind of say like, ride it out and see. But if you're thinking, you know, if maybe your family is leaning towards like a different way of life or wanting more freedom or something, maybe this is an awesome opportunity to take the chance with homeschooling and actually homeschool, not just do like the virtual public school, you know, like Give yourself this year of freedom and see what homeschooling is like. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you have any other words of wisdom, tips, anything you want people to know? So one of my big things, I feel like I'm constantly like the black sheep of 
homeschooling world because we just homeschool for so many different reasons. My biggest tip for people, and it's kind of the same thing when you're a new mom, like the biggest thing is listen to other people's stories, but don't try to emulate anyone. Your story is going to be so different because we are not super rigid. I don't have a schedule. My kids don't have a schedule. We don't do school every single day of the week. There is like, we'll wake up on a Tuesday and it's great weather. So we decide to go to the zoo that day or something. So I think my biggest piece of advice for anyone who is wanting to homeschool would be to just stay true to who you are and who your kids and don't get wrapped up in what other people are doing. I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> I, that, I feel like Carrie and I generally feel like just don't take other people's opinions into consideration is kind of like our golden rule. So yeah. we may not always be great at following it, but <laughs> it is a an existing rule. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time out to speak with us. Congratulations on the new little one that's Thanks. coming. And uh, plug yourself so that people can find you. Oh, yeah. You know, I actually I'm not super great at all forms of social media. I'm mainly just on Instagram at North Country Littles. That's great. And you have a blog, right? I do. And I always tell myself I'm going to be better at writing on it. Well, thank you again. We're going to talk to you soon. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks so much, guys. We are going to chat with a pediatrician in Brooklyn, a mother of two, and an actual momtourage listener. Welcome, Dr. Beth Kantrowitz. Hi, Dr. Beth. Hi. That was like a game show intro. The later it goes, the more zany I get, I guess. I love it. We are so happy that you reached out. One, she's an actual lover of the podcast, which you know we just love our egos to be rubbed, but Two, she is a doctor of science, of medical science, of pediatric medicine, and she's a yoga student of mine, so it's like full circle. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your kids, how old they are? Yeah, so I am a mom of two. I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old. I um, live and work in in Brooklyn, kind of downtown Brooklyn, Brooklyn Heights. I'm also, like you guys, a Jersey girl. Ah, what part? Which exit? (laughs) Uh, I am 160. On the parkway. Oh, yeah. You're high up there. Bergen County, so... Oh, okay. What town? Wyckoff. I sent Ashley a meme the other day that said Bon Jovi must be at least three quarters of the way there by now. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Only Jersey people look at that. We don't pump our own gas. Jersey girls don't pump gas. That's right. right. So can you tell us how being a pediatrician in the middle of a pandemic in New York City has been going for you? I know that's like a such a loaded question. Um, so for me, it's a little bit different um, just because I my daughter's only six months. So I was on maternity leave during the the height of it and and missed, you know, missed the the very beginning of of things. But I uh, started at a new practice the beginning of May. And since then, it it certainly has been different, especially being at a new job. I am now meeting everyone over uh, either over telemedicine. So it's like a a video call or with a a mask and, you know, and and goggles and, and they're all in a mask and goggles. And here I'm like meeting all of these new patients. I've made a lot of changes in our office to try to keep everyone safe. As I mentioned, we do telemedicine. We're trying to avoid anyone sitting in the waiting room. But it, it's definitely a new experience. And there's so much fear, you know, for, for so many of the patients. 
and also just a lot of uncertainty right now for families and, and a lot of families just struggling with coping with the, the pandemic. So this is a tricky question with, I'm sure, lots of layers, but so many parents right now are torn about what to do with their children in the upcoming school year. Can we go over a little bit about the pros and cons of our options from a medical standpoint of sending your kids to school versus virtual learning and homeschooling? I mean, I know that there's a whole other mental and emotional ramification of both these decisions, but can you at the very least speak to to some of the medical concerns. I mean, we see that certain schools have already started opening. I think that a Georgia school and a Jerusalem school opened up and kids are already getting sick. So can you just help let us know kind of what we need to consider? So the biggest thing to consider is prevalence in the community wherever you are. If rates of transmission are, are soaring and uh, not under good control or, or just at very high incidence of new cases, the risk of opening schools is very high because chance of anyone in the home, therefore bringing it in, a kid coming into the school, transmitting it to other kids is likely to happen. The areas where transmission is under better control and and case counts are lower, it's a safer setup for being able to reopen schools safely. The risk of transmission, at least with the evidence that we have now, and things are always changing and you know, despite having studied so much about this virus in the short amount of time that we've known it, there's still so much we don't know about it and and so much still to be studied because everything else that we know about in terms of disease and, and infection has, we've had years to learn about. And this is so new. So we're always learning new things. But the best evidence that we have is that the the transmission in younger kids is thought to be much lower than in older kids. The, you know, most recent study that came out said that kids that are, you know, 10 and up are probably just as likely to transmit COVID as adults. That being said, kids that are older are more likely to understand to wear a mask, keep distance, wash hands, you know, and this is going to vary from from kid to kid and even, you know, from family to family in terms of how much those things are stressed. But you do kind of have to weigh those things, you know, next to each other. One of the things that gives me hope about younger kids is that in New York City, even during the height of the pandemic, emergency care centers, which were basically daycare centers opened for essential workers, were opened up and they have yet to have an outbreak. Um, in any of those centers. So the, you know, precautions that they're taking, which is, you know, all of the teachers in masks and avoiding parents, um, you know, being present for very long at at drop-off and staggering drop-off and and pick-up and keeping class sizes small has all been effective for them. You know, the things that you hear about with, you know, outbreaks among older kids, though, is concerning. You probably have heard about the summer camp in Georgia that, you know, had at least 50% of campers and staff, at least the ones that were tested, you know, positive. And that's a concerning thing to hear about, especially when things like that are more outdoors even and and supposed to be like a contained cohort of of kids. Yeah, that's supposed to be like the safer option. Yeah. So what it kind of sounds like you're saying is that basically the older kids are a little safer going into a school because they actually have the wherewithal to wear a mask and socially distance, you know, if they're doing the right thing. Whereas the little kids are really more of a concern, even though we haven't seen as much of it affecting them. Is that a fair kind of summary? Yes and no. The older kids' risk is going to depend a lot on ability of the school system to limit how many kids are are there at a time and and spread kids out and, and the measures that each school system is taking. I think actually even despite 
a younger kid's ability to socially distance and, you know, wear a mask all the time, they are still, based on the evidence that we have, likely at lower risk. But my fear is that that's going to change as things open up more. Yeah. Um, When you look at, you know, kind of studies around the world of school systems that have opened, um, most of the outbreaks that of the studies that are out there have been in older kids rather than younger kids or have occurred when the older grades have come back for in-person learning rather than the younger grades. I know you're not a child psychologist, but can you talk a little about the mental and emotional ramifications of, you know, either sending them to school or keeping them home. I have decided I'm going to be homeschooling my son. And obviously, one of the things that's a big concern for me is he has no siblings. It's just him and the socialization aspect. You know, and if I had a kid that I was sending to school, other than them getting sick, I would be worried about the anxiety that they might have about being put into maybe not the safest scenario. Yeah, I mean, it's a hard, you know, thing to say. The socialization is important. What is unfortunate is that the the social aspect of it is so like it is so important, but that can't always outweigh the the physical safety. And, you know, there are so many parts of school that are more than just education. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, like social is is one of them. The AAP had come out with a statement a few weeks ago that the kids should, you know, efforts should be made for kids to be in school and have in-person learning for the benefit, you know, the other benefits that come with it aside from just education, meaning socialization and seeing friends. And even aside from that, other services that are offered, such as speech therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, in particular for special needs kids. It's very challenging to, um, you know, to ignore those, but everything is a matter of weighing risks and benefits. You know, the social ramifications, unfortunately, I, I think have yet to be even fully realized. But, you know, I think what a lot of parents don't fully realize is that, you know, a lot of the measures for in-person schooling are going to limit socialization to some extent as well. Um, You know, if kids can't be sitting close contact to each other, if desks are spread apart rather than tables near each other, if we're just limiting other kind of interactions for the sake of safety and telling kids that they need to stay away from each other to some extent, then I think that is unfortunately going to put a damper on on the full social aspect that school would traditionally offer. That's a really good point. That actually makes me feel a lot better about my decision, to be completely honest with you. It's a hard decision for everyone to make. It really is. And it's an unfortunate decision. And it breaks my heart that we as a country couldn't get this virus under better control to allow for schools to reopen more safely right now and for people to feel more comfortable sending their kids to school, you know, that we're not in a better spot right now. It's crazy because we don't even know the ramifications of what it's going to do to our kids emotionally is a crazy thing. We won't know probably for a couple of years. And that it's insane to think about that. Yeah. You know, the, the mental health toll that I'm seeing among, especially the teenage patients, but even some of the younger ones, it's heartbreaking. There's always a, a mental health need for children and it's never been higher because routines are off, activities aren't happening. 
you know, people aren't seeing their friends. I think for the families that are making a decision to stay at home, you know, having select friend groups that, you know, the pods. That not, <laughs> yeah, the kind of the pod idea and not necessarily specifically just for a lot of families are doing it for like a education pod, which I have very mixed feelings about, but for socialization, I think is a useful thing to keep in mind for the families that are choosing to do at home learning. I was just going to say, if a family decides to physically send their children to school, what protocols and precautions should they be looking out for? It is going to depend on kind of what the school is doing, but you want to know that there are small class sizes, you know, wherever they are going. The smaller the class size, the less people you have in one room together, the closer together you need to be. And that is going to make a a huge difference. Obviously, you know, and this is going to depend on community and kind of culture in the community, but kids need to be wearing masks, you know, and even the young ones it's they need to start learning and uh, and learning how to put their mask on and and learning why it's important to wear the mask the effectiveness of the mask is only as good as the number of people wearing it and wearing it appropriately it's so hard because grown-ups barely use it appropriately oh I know (laughs) I went to Target and people couldn't even put it over their nose I can't tell you how many people I see on the street with the chin mask uh, and uh, or just below the nose. You know, it'll maybe do a little bit if it's, you know, covering the mouth and not the nose, but it is not a fully effective mask if it's not covering your nose. So, you know, teaching kids how to wear a mask, how to wear it appropriately, why, you know, we're doing it and hoping that you're in a community where people feel similarly um, and that you're sending your kids, you know, to a school where people feel similarly. Teaching your kids about, about hand washing and Sometimes hand washing is going to be more effective if you just use hand sanitizer. If if your kid is young and won't, you know, really scrub and, and do a good job, sometimes the hand sanitizer will actually be better. And then vaccines also. I have been telling every patient that I see in the office that this year is more important than ever to get a flu shot, not just for your kid, but for the whole family. So, you know, even if they've never gotten it before, like this year is the year to do it. And obviously the flu shot is not going to do a thing to protect against COVID, but it's one less thing that you have to worry about your kids getting and the flu shot becomes more effective the more people actually get it the same way that once there is a coronavirus vaccine, the more people that get it, the more effective it'll be. I'm really trying to abstain from opinions, but I got to put this one thing in. There's this whole conspiracy theory minded thing that's going on about COVID and Trump and QAnon and all this crazy stuff that people are floating out there. And I actually saw somebody post something that Bill Gates supposedly said, which I would believe he would say, but I don't know for a fact that when the vaccination comes out, that people are going to need some kind of like pass that says that they got it and allows them to travel and allows them to go into public places. And people are in an uproar about this. And they're like, this is just another way to control people. No, guys, this is a way to keep us alive, (laughs) alive and safe. Am I wrong? As a pediatrician, like any sort of anti vax mentality is obviously crazy one of the most aggravating things I deal with (sighs) and luckily I I would say by and large almost all the patients I have are very pro-vaccine but then every so often you encounter some that are you know so hesitant they only will get the vaccines that are required for their kid to go to school I was delighted when New York State did away with religious exemptions I think it was about 
a year, year and a half ago, because it meant that kids that previously had been kind of skating by vaccine free were now required to get it. A year ago, I thought a measles outbreak was going to be the most stressful thing yep. in my career. I mean, it was sort of. I wish, I wish that was the worst, but. Ah, the uh, good old days. Right? <laughs> is there anything that we should be, if we're sending our kids back physically, is there anything in the school, like that the school should be doing other than our kids wearing the mask, other than like, should we be making sure? Sure. If we don't see them spacing seats out appropriately, should we be causing an uproar? So I think knowing kind of their policy on kids getting sick, when kids get sick, how they're handling it, whether they're requiring testing, which they should be, whether a negative test is required to return to school, you know, what their policy is for lag time between start of symptoms and return to school or, you know, end of fever and return to school, what the alert system is and um, and then what the plan is for shutting down. I think that's really important to know. It's obviously for some parents, it's going to be very difficult to have to keep your kid home for that. That long when you're a working parent, but that is going to make it safer for everyone else to be there to know that that kid is removed from the school quickly and, and promptly and not returning until it's safe. I think that's, you know, one of the most important things for schools to be doing aside from physical distancing and, you know, and enforcing hand washing and, uh, and mask wearing as well. And knowing that the school is going to actually enforce the mask wearing for the kids that are old enough to be able to enforce it. What are you doing with your children? I'm eating pizza as I talk to because it's <laughs> this is a working mom you know you put your kid to bed you slam some pizza in your mouth and you do a podcast interview welcome to motherhood <laughs> this isn't like the reality of podcasting then nothing is um <laughs> If it's not uh, assuming or overly personal to ask, what are you doing with your kids as well? You have the six-month-old, obviously. You're loving it and caring for it. It's not a school-age child, but what are you doing with your other child? So I, you know, had originally signed him up for preschool for a twos program. Um, Back when I was just pregnant with my daughter, my son was in daycare. Like from the time I went back to work with him until the end of last calendar year, the end of 2019, he was in daycare. We switched to a nanny with anticipation of expecting a newborn to be coming in the middle of flu season and not thinking that was the safest option for having a toddler in the home and a newborn in the home in the middle of flu season when the toddler was going to daycare. And I... I'm very relieved that I did, given what happened. But I had, knowing that he was two and was going to want to be around other kids and be in a school program, I had signed him up for a twos program. I have since decided to pull him from it, um, which may result in me losing all of the money that we spent, which was like the full year of tuition. Because for me, it's not worth the risk. At the age of two, he does not need an organized, you know, education. Yep. I did the same thing. I had my child signed up for a twos program and I pulled her. Yeah. Yeah. I am fortunate that we live in the same building as my sister-in-law and brother-in-law and niece, who is only six months younger than my son. They've been seeing each other. They will likely continue to see each other, you know, and then there are a couple of other families in the building that, you know, they'll see each other in the courtyard. How things are going to change as being outside becomes less doable. I don't know. Um, I'll cross that bridge when I get to it. But for me, I, I made the decision to pull him because, you know, one, I view myself as a little bit more at risk just you know, going into work every day. And, and my husband is a physician as well. So we're both going into work every day. And I would hate to bring something home to him that he then infects the whole class with. Yeah. Hashtag science sexual. That is a very beautiful relationship of two science-based people. <laughs> yeah. 
What is it? I said hashtag science sexual. <laughs> science sexual. Well, yeah. so he's a, a gastroenterologist actually, and being a, a pediatrician, like the amount of time, and I know you guys are big poop fans, the amount of yeah. time that we yeah. talk about poop at dinner, it is it's You really amazing. do listen I to do, this show. <laughs> poop and vomit. That's like what gastroenterologists <laughs> and pediatricians are all about. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, there's there's no shame. And then when we're around other people, we like forget to turn it off. And no, you can, you can roll with us. We down. We are down yeah. with that. You know, we could talk for hours about poop. <laughs> he would have loved it so much. And I know he would have loved it so much. And now I feel like I need to kind of come up with a curriculum for him, uh, which I have no idea what to do. Just things for, for my nanny to kind of teach him. I also know, you know, deep down, I know as a pediatrician, like two's programs are not educationally necessary. So that is helping with my decision as well. I really do feel for the families that have school-aged kids. Like had he been kindergarten age or older, this would be a different conversation that we yeah. would be having. So I yeah. am honestly lucky that I don't have to worry about his formal education. Is there anything else that you think is important for our audience to know? Anything you want to tell them? So the earth isn't flat, <laughs> get vaccinated, uh, COVID is real. I mean, all of those, you know, and I think especially going into the school year, whatever decision you make, especially if your school district is one that does plan for in-person learning in some capacity, just be prepared for things to change the same way that they did this spring. You know, no one could have predicted what happened in March, but, you know, just be prepared to adapt to changes. Not that there isn't enough on everyone's plate already, especially parents, but just be ready to, to kind of change the course again. It, it's something that everyone is going to need to be able to do um, and, you know, and adjust and just based on how things are and, and how things are changing. Doctor, thank you so much for coming on. And we look forward to be able to reference you and call you when we need our science-backed information, which we always do. Always. And congratulations on your new babe. Thank you. The freshie. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she's a delight. She makes, I mean, you guys have toddlers now and you forget like how easy babies can be. (laughs) And, uh, you know, once you get past that like newborn stage, she's, you know, she's just a delightful child. So (laughs) not, yeah, not uh, every... Every child is easy. She happens to be, a, you know, an easy baby for now. I keep asking her when she's going to turn on me, you know, probably around the toddler ages. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I keep asking my son if he's going to love me forever. And then if he says no, I threaten to have another kid. <laughs> That's where we're at. Anyway, can you plug yourself for the people? So embarrassingly, I have very little social media presence. Um, So I don't, yeah, I don't think I have a good plug. What is your practice? Where can we find you as a doctor? So I work at Brooklyn Bridge Pediatrics in Brooklyn Heights. You can find me at www.brooklynbridgepediatrics.com. And if you have any questions for the doctor, you can email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. And we will get them to the doctor because we hope to have you on more often as our resident specialist because Ashley and I went to acting school, so we are not doctors. We've only played them a I couple of times. I actually have never played one on TV, and that makes me so mad because I'm so good at I it. I haven't either. <laughs> yeah. But I do have a pair of scrubs for when that day comes. I look, I look forward to uh, seeing you guys play doctors. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. Hashtag swag bag. Here we are, swag bag. What's your swag? So my swag bag pick this week is the IKEA product Mala. 
I think I'm saying that right. I am not Scandinavian, despite what you may have heard. Is there an umlaut um, in there that we that you're not yes. saying? Yes, there's like a dot thing over the first A. That's the umlaut, yeah. Yeah, sure. How would I say that? Mela? Who knows? I mean, I just know that it's called an umlaut. Nap, nap, dude. Well, it's an easel. So, you know, I've already told you all a zillion times my personal stance on the upcoming school year is I will be homeschooling. I'm terrified. I never thought I'd be here, but here we are. And I'm just trying to take it the best I can. So I went to Ikea and I saw that they had this double-sided easel. One side is chalkboard, one side is a dry erase board, and it also has like a holder for a roll of paper to come down. And it was $19. Obviously, Sebastian's three, so I think it's pretty much exactly what I need for the kind of homeschooling we're going to do. But um, for those of you who are trying to build your own little classroom situation in your house, I think this is a really good, good option. It's basically the cheapest thing because I had been looking on Amazon. I was like, ah, maybe I should think about an easel. And I think I didn't see anything under like 30 bucks. And I just happened to be at Ikea and saw it and was like, oh, this is too good to pass up. So Ikea, Mela, Mala, it's spelled M-A-L-A. And as always, it will be linked in our show notes. How about you, Care? So I'm going to say the Olivia books. You know, Luna is now having a larger in attention span when she reads. Before it was very hard to read to her like I did because that's what good parents do. But she wanted to move quickly and we kind of only could get through the same books all the time. But recently she's been wanting to read a bunch of books and has the attention span for it. And so we have all of these books that have been given to us through presents or hand-me-downs or whatever. And so now we're getting into more than just like the four that we used to read all the time. And one of them is the Olivia books. And I know that my my friend Jill used to love reading them to her daughter. And she was like, oh, they're so fun. I think you'll like them or whatever. So we had one. And, you know, when you're a parent, and we'll talk about this on a later episode about kids' books, but when you're a parent and you have to read the same kids' book all the time, a new kids' book that you find very visually interesting as an adult the best and you find like humor in it even if it's not like overtly supposed to be funny I'm really into it so we have the first Olivia book and I really want to go and get more of the Olivia books and I'm glad that Luna likes it because when when I first read it I thought that she didn't like it but she was just like it's visually different and like it's kind of a more advanced book so she just like didn't know how to take it at first I've been reading it every day it just gives me so much pleasure and really when you're a parent it's like the simple things so I know my swag bags are usually about me and not like how my life is enriched or like a product, but I guess it's about me, but it's a kid's, it's a kid's product. I mean, I just said an easel, so same thing. Right. Well, um, Ashley, we'll have a craft night and use his easel. I would love that. I would love nothing more. I think I'm, I already need it, but I think when the school year starts, I'm really, really, really going to need like to down a bottle of wine and <laughs> draw on an easel. I think we should have like a set, like every two weeks we do this, like our, our lady craft date. Listen, I am all for it, but I also know that I'm committing to something that is going to be very hard for us to keep up. The good thing is we're also business partners, so we have no choice but to talk 6,000 times a day. Right. But I'm just saying, if we put something in the calendar, as we've learned from interviewing all of these CEOs, you just got to put it in the calendar. Put it in the calendar. All right. There you have it, guys. We love you. Another episode. Another, these are the days of our lives. Come back next week to hear part two of our back to school series. See you then. Okay, that's our show today, folks. Thank you so much for giving us a listen. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We are out here on our own, and these things really, really matter. 
We want to hear from you. Tell us what you want to hear. Email us at momtouragepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at momtouragepodcast to hang out with us all week long. We are here for you. You are not alone. We got you. So go ahead, girl. Know this posse is behind you and go slay. Momtourage is written and produced by Ashley Heron-Smith and Carrie Sotero. Recorded and mixed by Lee Mars. Our theme song, MILF, is by the band Mama Drama. You can find them on Instagram at mamadramaband or mamadramaband.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.